We're in Revelation 3, and we're going to finish up Revelation 3 today. This is the seventh of the seven churches. We're going from Philadelphia, the church we all want to be, to the Laodicean church, the church that nobody wants to be. Um, I would say this, next week we're not going to go to chapter 4. I'm going to recap chapter 2 and 3 because of some things. One, we're rushing through these. You understand, like we used to like, teach for close to an hour, even maybe even a little bit more sometimes. Uh, worship was like a half hour, and the teaching time was an hour. And I, don't, I feel like you know, I'm, I'm kind of ripping you guys off and not you know, spending enough time in the Word. But it's kind of still COVID rules, and so you know we're abbreviating the service. And um, But like, like I say, next week, recap. And especially we're going to talk about what it means to be an overcomer, because that's kind of germane to this whole thing. You keep saying to him that overcomes, and you're thinking like, well, if I, you know, rally and I try real hard and I, you know, huff and puff and I, it's got nothing to do with that. And it's very important that you know that. So we'll review that next week, and we'll just kind of recap the churches real quick, and then we'll move on to chapter four. By the way, chapter two and three ends the churches, and we'll see the word church again. So I think it's chapter twenty or twenty-one. I can't remember. Chapter six. Chapter 4 and 5, for my thinking, the church is in heaven. Um, um, chapter 6 through 19 is the tribulation proper. It's kind of some of the most exciting stuff. It's kind of like dreadful. I'll, I'll just tell you that right now. But it's it's excitingly dreadful. You know what I mean? But when I, I, thought, I say all hell breaks loose on earth, it's going to be a time that the likes of it, it's hard to even describe. But we'll get there. So let's uh, give ourselves uh, the reading of God's word. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesal, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The first thing you got to know about Laodicean, they were very, very wealthy. They were at the crossroads of two trade routes, the one going north and south, one going east and west. And so, you know, life was good. It was like, you know, the Trump administration when the economy was right through the roof, but on steroids. It was wonderfully an opportunity to make a lot of money, to be very, very prosperous. They had uh, this eye salve, this amazing eye salve that they sold all over the empire and brought in a lot of uh, money. Um, they clothed uh, themselves and they sold these garments. It was a textile manufacturing center. They had these black sheep that made this 
wool garments black, out of black wool that was that had a sheen to them, and they were like the height of fashion. You were wearing one of these, and you were the in crowd. And uh, you know, in 17 AD, they had a uh, earthquake that collapsed the whole city and cities around them there in the Lycus Valley, Lycus River Valley, like Hierapolis, like Colossae, like Philadelphia, like um, like here in Laodicea, and they were decimated. And so the you know the, the uh, Caesar said, uh, "Hey, listen, here we are to bail you out. We'll help." And they said, "Thank you, no thanks. We're all set. We got plenty." And they rebuilt the city out of their own pocket. If the government comes and offers us money, how much of us have the wherewithal say, yeah, I'm all set, thank you very much. Uh, so it's that kind of city, and those are the things they're kind of known for, and when Jesus will address those things, like, and it's important that we kind of know that so we understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. The other thing they had was a very poor water supply. They were on the Lycus River, which dried up, and so they got water from Hierapolis, the hot spring. And there's a six-mile uh, aqueduct that's at two-degree pitch, and it's still remnants of it there to this day. And so they they would get some of that water and send it down to Laodicea, but by the time it got there, it wasn't very hot anymore. It was a lot of mineral deposits, and it stank. If you cooked with it, your vegetables would be smell nasty. Your whole house would smell nasty. It was something you put in your mouth, and you just want to throw it right back out of your mouth. Uh, when I say lukewarm, you know, you get you might think of like your tea, nice hot piping tea. My wife uh, boils the pot tempestuously is the adjective she uses, and then she makes her tea, and she drinks it like right away, and I'm thinking like, you're just burning your lips off. And so we think of like, oh, it's, got, it's cooled a few degrees, and you got to throw it in the microwave and get it back up to temperature. We think of that as lukewarm. No, don't think of that. Think of like that case of water you're carrying around in your truck and it's been in the hot sun and you're really thirsty so you crack one of them beauties and you throw one back and you think, ah, and you get that hot plastic taste, yum all, right? Think of that as lukewarm, okay? Because that was more the idea of the water supply that came to them. And also it's told that they got their cold water from Colossae, which is 10 miles to the north, and they had this water runoff from the mountains. Colossae had... Colossi had wonderful water, you know, the kind you'd bottle and sell here in America. And uh, it was a wonderful water supply. But when they um, sent it, by again, by aqueduct down to uh, Laodicea, it, it, again, it was lukewarm. It wasn't amazingly cold and refreshing. It was tepid. And so that's what you have to know. Because they had no water supply, when enemies would besiege them, it would be very easy to cut off their water supply and take over the city. No water, no, you ain't go, you're not going to survive. It's not going to go well with you. So they had this idea, you know, anyone who, they, they turn themselves inside out to please so that they wouldn't be in direct conflict with anybody. You know, the whole go along to get along kind of mentality. So the city was known for that. What was the problem, you know? the water source, they're not close to the source. Now let that resonate in your brain. That's the problem. Jesus is, you know, if any man comes to me, he'll never thirst again. You think that all the way through. And this is, he's writing to a church, but I want you to understand something about this church. I don't think I'm made up of Christians. Now I'd love to, you know, and I think there's an application here. Hey, you know, get, 
you know, we need a little Pentecostal fervor, get, you know, real, get excited, get, because uh, we're like very blasé, especially in Maine. We are like reserved beyond reserve. We are, and I kind of, that works for me. I'm not a jump up and down, excitable kind of guy. I don't get like super excited in the ex- either extreme, really like super happy so much. I'm just like vibrating with joy. And I don't get like super pessimistic down in the mud where, you know, people are trying to, you know, call a, uh, coax me back in from the ledge. I'm just not a, I'm kind of more middle of the road, and I kind of, my personality works for Maine, because you're kind of like that too, you know. And, and Jesus is kind of indicting that type. Let, let's just read, okay. Unto the angel, the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans. What does Laodicean mean? What is this historical church? It's the last day's church. It's, it's characterized by all the things, you know, just think about everything you know, like from Second uh, Timothy, where it talks about the last days and what that's going to look like. This is the church of the last days. It, and it started, I would say, eight, early 1800s, with higher criticism coming in where people thought they were, you know, too sexy for their shirt, too, too cool for school. The Bible, what's that? It's a old book you know that's and now we know more than you know god knows and and people started taking apart the bible and it wasn't viewed as the word of god anymore that is a real problem and i think it's you know that mocked the last couple hundred years of church uh this philadelphia church there's this thyatira uh church still uh there's sardis church still those four churches will mark the last four major divisions in the body of Christ when Jesus shows up. And he mentions that. He's he's coming. And you better... Well, let's just read it. Um, Laodiceans, what does it mean? Laity decide. Or laity choose. Is that a good thing? You know, in church government, there's, there's basically three. They have a, like a presbytery, like we have, a board of elders, and they decide. Or uh, they have like uh, outside of the church, like a bishop or, you know, he decides for the whole diocese and he makes choices. Or you have like the people, which works in America because we're very, it's congregational style government where, hey, one person, one vote, and this is my church, and guess what, I get a say in that. That's good, that's very democratic, but it's got nothing to do with the Bible. God's not a Democrat or a Republican, he's... He, he has a, a certain way of, of doing things. When he comes back, he's not going to set up socialism. He's not going to set up communism. He's not going to set up a democratic society. He's a king, and he's going to rule, and he's an authoritarian king. But he's benevolent. Okay, it's going to be good in his kingdom, and we'll get there sometime. Okay, that's a, that's a long ways off. But I just want you to understand, so we, we adopt these views that everyone else has about what a uh, church should look like. What does the Bible say? I think the presbytery decides, and I've heard like J. Vernon McGee talk about this, he says, which one works better? He says, well, if you've got a, good, a godly bishop, that works great. If you've got a godly board, that works great. If you've got a godly assembly, that works great. And I'm thinking, godly assembly? I'm not trying to cast aspersions on any of you wonderful people. I mean, I'm really not, but... I go to church, so I should decide what goes on. Wait, what? <laughs> I've been to churches like that, where you have a board meeting, everyone shows up, they get their shirt sleeves rolled up and 
watch the fur fly. Uh, but in Laodicea, that's the way they've set it up. We decide. Well, who, what does that mean? It means God doesn't decide. God, we're, we're the ones who, hey, we got, look at, look at, this is characterized. Verse 17, this characterizes the church. Does it characterize your life? I hope to God it doesn't. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Is that you? God help you. Is that me? God help us. No, I understand. Financially, you're in a place where God's blessed. You say, hey, I'm all set. I'm set. Somebody tries to give you money and you say, no, 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 you keep it. I'm good. Praise God. Is that you spiritually? I have need of nothing? I hope to God that isn't. The first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are beggarly poor spiritually. Theirs, and theirs alone, by the way, is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying the only people who make heaven are the poor ones who are spiritually bankrupt. Have need of nothing? That's pukey stuff. That's stuff that makes us all want to throw up. These things say at the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. <sighs> Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to go over. Just just, just the way it is. But I'll, I'll keep moving. The Amen. Uh, in Hebrew, Omen. In Greek, Amen. Uh, we think it's like, uh, okay, God, I'm, I'm done talking with you now. Amen, right? It's, that's not what it means. It, 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 it means... Uh, uh, so be it. Uh, you know, somebody's saying something about God. We say, Amen. We're, it's a, a term of agreement. So be it. What he said, that's what I agree with. She said, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. But what the Bible means it to say is, you know, in King Jimmy, where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Amen, amen, I say unto thee. Verily, verily, truly, truly. Amen, amen. All the same word. This is true truth. This is the real deal. Uh, what I get to say next is so vitally important. I start, said amen, amen. So you'd perk up and you'd listen to what I would get to say. Truly, truly. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says, I'm the, I'm the amen. The faithful and true witness. I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't Jesus couldn't lie if he wanted to. He is incapable of deception. Now when Satan speaks, I wonder why people listen to Satan. Lying is his native tongue, Jesus says. When Jesus speaks, true truth emanates from his lips only always. I'm a faithful true witness. I, I wouldn't lie to you. I, would, I wouldn't deceive you. Uh, he's the beginning of the creation of God. Now the cults grab hold of this. Ah, see, he's the first of the creation. He's what God created first. He's part of creation. I get exasperated sometimes. Bad Adam comes to the service when I hear people talk like that. I, I just say, you grab a clue. When the clue train drives into town, jump on board and grab a clue. Five minutes of, of just a little bit of knowledge would so help you out. Is, is the Bible talking about Jesus as the first of all creation there? That God created him first? No. So I, I, I knew that. and So I said, you know, I wonder how long that would take me to find that out. Um, okay. See, Revelation 3. Interlinear. Ah, the beginning. RK. Wait a second. Strong's G746. RK. 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 Uh, architect. The beginning or 
as we might say, the beginner. Is it saying that God created Jesus first? How long does that take? 30 seconds? My goodness, what is wrong? Because people have a commitment to error sometimes. And again, Satan lies only all the time. Now, I got a, I got a, a gloss in my march. It says Colossians, he's the beginning of the creation of God, the origin or the originator is kind of the idea. Colossians 1.15, you can go there or not. You, you know the verse. Uh, Philippians backwards, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse Starting in 13, it's talking about God who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us from the kingdom of his dear son. Now, who's his dear son? It was Jesus Christ. Now he's going to be taken from there, talking about Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen there. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, prototokos, the firstborn, preeminent is what we would say. Not firstborn in the sense of like, you know, of all God's creation, he's the firstborn. Because verse 16 will disenfranchise you of that, but it says, by him, we're still talking about Jesus, by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Is Jesus the creator? The Bible seems to think so. And if this were the only verse in there, it's not question that. It's only over and over and over again. Back to Revelation. And I'd show you all those verses, but I, I'm aware of the time. He's the beginning of the creation of God. The architect. Okay? Now, the architect of the creation says, you know, I know your works. You're neither hot or cold. I would you were hot or cold. Because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, hot is the idea of zealous, spiritually speaking. You know people are hot for the Lord. Cold is, you know what cold is. You tell them something about the Lord and they think, thank you, I don't care. I can't describe to you how much I don't care about this. Cold. On the outside, for sure, looking in. Are they not saved? Definitely not. It's not talking about a Christian who's backslidden. We talk about Christians who are backslidden. We use the word lukewarm. I I know what you're trying to say, but I don't think he's talking about the people here who are Christians who are kind of falling off the zeal. Um, you're not either hot or cold. You're lukewarm. You're tepid. I will... Because you're neither one, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Spew means spew. It means vomit. He's not talking about spitting. He's saying, you, you make me want to throw up, okay? I, I look at what you're all about, and I get this gag reflex, and I, I, I swear I'm just going to throw up. That's harsh language. Because I think sometimes hard words make soft people. I think soft words make hard people. And I think Jesus is using... Language that it would throw up. You, you, I, you look at me and you want to puke? That's harsh language. You, you don't say it to your spouse, do you? I wouldn't say it to mine. Uh, that's definite invitation to sleep on the couch. Because, oh, by the way, it's so, so not true. It's incredibly not true. 
If I say to somebody, hey, you make me puke, that's, that's like fighting words. That's, that's not, I'm not trying to bless them when I say that. Neither is Jesus. I, I know you weren't. Jesus has nothing good to say to this church, but he has good things to say to this church, but not about what they're doing. So I know your works. Now, some of you are thinking like, I see why God would want us to be hot. Why would he want us to be cold? Cold is better than lukewarm. I, I can't explain it this way. I have a, my pastor, Ken Graves, and I've heard him say this. I can close my eyes and listen in my head and hear him say, there's three types of people. Them that is, them that ain't, and them that thinks they is, but they ain't. He's saying there are saved people, there are lost people, and there are people who think they're okay with God, who think that they're saved, but they are lost. Now, out of those three people, which is the hardest to reach? Well, saved people are already in. You don't have to reach them. Cold people, they indifferent people. Well, they know that they're away. They know that they're far away from God, and they can be reached. Um, I, I, I've talked to, over my life, as you have, uh, people who are indifferent to the things of God. Some of them people are saved now. You know what the hardest people to reach? The religious people, the lukewarm. I'm cool, I'm good, and I have need of nothing. Spiritually speaking, I got it going on. God looks at my life and he says, whoa, you're doing really, really good. How do you reach that person with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And this is Jesus, says that's, that attitude there, that's pukey, that's really throw up stuff. Okay, that, that whole, oh, I'm okay with God. Jesus said, remember, poor in spirit, they're the only ones who find the kingdom. You sit here and you say, I am such a miserable sinner. Amen. One, it's true. Two, welcome to the club. And if you develop that all the way through and you call out for salvation, welcome to the family. Now, if you just think like, no, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Jesus is going, ah, gag. That is disgusting. The flesh is disgusting. When we act like we have it all together, that's disgusting too. So there is an application for us as well. Are we wowing people with our zeal, with our love? Jesus says, this is how they know you, my disciples, the love you have one for another. We are bound to look at a church like this and say, oh, that's the church down the street with the rainbow flag who become so irrelevant. Don't, don't, don't be like that. The rainbow flag, I'm not going to fly one here anytime soon. At least people who are, who are homosexual would feel welcome there. Would they feel welcome here? I have a question to ask you. Did Jesus eat with harlots and publicans? Publican is a, is a someone who's paid to be a thief, okay? They, they, they are pirates. Uh, they, they stole from people legally, okay? Uh, they're tax collectors, but they would collect way over what they were supposed to, and they'd pocket the difference. A harlot is a prostitute, someone who sells most precious thing she has for money. Wow. I can't even get my mind around that. And Jesus, is he comfortable having lunch with those type of people? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend of sinners. People give him the business for that. Who do you, what are you doing? You're eating with these sinners. He says, yeah, the physicians in house and they're sick people. They need, they need 
they need me to be just the way I am. Would Jesus have lunch the same with homosexual community? Would, would, would Jesus have dinner with downtown San Francisco with all the gay people being with him? Would, would, would he do that? Just guess. What do you think? You're saying, yeah? Are you serious? Yeah, of course he would. Of course he would. Of, would you? Do, do, do people feel welcome? Because don't, don't make it like, like oh, there's a relevant church down here. No, no, take these things to heart. Like, because this is the way, like, I think God does his work in our life as we self-examine, as we, are we amazingly zealous for the Lord and just go where, you know, the gospel's needed, regardless, just run to the one who's, you know, who, any cry for help. We're there in, a, in a, like a New York minute. We're just here to help. Are we like that? Or are we like, yeah, I don't know, that people there. And we assign, do you do that? I hope you don't do that with sermons at all, you know. Boy, I wish Bill was here. Bill really needs to hear this, you know. Don't worry about Bill. Just take these things to a heart and see if God is speaking to us. Hey, you, you, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. And I want to throw up. And you know what the problem is? Because you say... I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Financially, that was true. Spiritually, it was anything but true. And God knows. Do you ever go to God and say, listen, how was that today? How did we do? Was there things that were, and get his opinion of, will he speak to you? Will he impress on your mind things we need to tighten up on, things that we need to change in our life? I'm telling you, he will. Or we, like, self-satisfied. I've got it going on. Thumbs under the suspenders, boy. I am just, I'm all that in a bag of beans. I am just what everyone should want. I'm the coolest, the best, the most spiritual, and Jesus is saying, you're clueless. You're you're absolutely clueless. I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. You don't even know this. You're wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. No, they're rich. He says, no, you're not. You're poor. They're the ones who sell the eye salve. He says, yeah, you ought to keep some of that and use it on your own self. They're the ones who are like dressed in the finest clothes of the day, textile capital. He's saying, I see just nothing but nakedness. You are you are not who you think you are. Uh, we've been going through this. Have you been having that like kind of thought? Jesus gave us a report card what it would look like. Would it super surprise us? Because I think seven churches were surprised by their report card. Those who weren't doing real good, thought they were doing good, Jesus says, like this church, you have no idea. And those who thought they were doing poor, well, listen, if we're, if God loves us so much, how come we're suffering? Jesus says, you are awesome. You are doing so wonderful. And I think everyone was surprised to one degree or another. If he gave us a report card, would it like super surprise us? I wonder. I wonder. You're you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. How do you get unnaked? He calls us. He calls us. We don't clothe ourselves in righteousness. Our righteousness is filthy rags. He calls us with his righteousness, which is amazing. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. I, I, when I heard that, it's, okay, it's 42 years ago now, and I said, that's good. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, I'll make the switch. Here, you can have my sin. I'll take your righteousness. No crazies back. This is 
All right, this is a good program, is it not? Still available. I wasn't the last one to get in. Still available. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What's that tried in the fire, gold? You know how smelting works. The gold is in a crucible. It's superheated up. The impurities rise. They, they skim off the, the stuff that isn't gold and throw that out. That's dross. That's no good. And the refiner, when he can see his face in the, in the, in the gold, it's done. The refiner is Jesus Christ. He wants to look at you and see his reflection. He says, yeah, you try to do that with your, with your fancy money and stuff. It ain't, ain't going to work. I counsel thee by me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. Because when you look like Jesus Christ, you really have spiritual wealth. But that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't come from self-effort. And white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. We talked about clothes. Okay. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Instead of sending that stuff all over the empire, grab a can, put it on yourself, and blind is always symbolic of Scripture, spiritual blindness. The thing that Jesus does the most miracle is opening the eyes of the blind. You see that in Scripture over and over again. That happened to you? Spirit, yeah, spiritually speaking, it did. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me. Do you know you're a wretch? And John Newton did. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He took that, those blind Timotheus stories, and he put it on himself. Bartimaeus, I mean, I said Timotheus. Blind Bartimaeus. He took all them stories, and he put it on himself. And, he, and he's theologically correct, by the way. I, I counsel you. You should be doing this, Jesus says. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Not popular words in the 21st century in American churches. This is my, verses like this is my, I'm constantly repenting, I'm constantly repenting, I'm constantly repenting. Why? Because I have so much to repent about. Adam, you're just saying you're a sinner. Yeah, all the time. My thoughts aren't God's thoughts. My attitudes aren't God's attitudes. My actions are very, very, very often come short of what God would do. What would Jesus do? I, I, I don't do it. I do the opposite very often, and, I, and I'm always in a state of repentance. Wonderful. It really is. Uh, uh, what else do you want to be? In a state of, no, I got this. I'm totally good. Really? After all we've said, after all, really? As many as I love. Wait, what? The people who make you sick, you love? That's just Jesus. That's just so Jesus. That is so, so, so he is. That's how he is. Love there is a funny word because you wouldn't, you'd think it's, it's agape, you know, for God so loved the world, agape, you know, that intense, passionate, fervor love. It's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. As many as I phileo, like Philadelphia, we would say, like friendship lovers, many as I like. Is that hard to understand? Because, you know, God loves us. And I would say, like, I would say to, like, a guy who's, like, a sinner, you know, God loves you. You say, yeah, I suppose that's true. You're like, your mother loves you, right? Your dad loves you. Like, She's my mom. She's got to love me, okay, you know? Uh, so, so your mom loves you, and you think, okay, that's cool. Uh, God loves us. Yeah, he's God. He, yeah, he would love us. Yeah. No, 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 no. I like you. 
Now that's hard for me to understand. I like you. I like being around you. I like hanging out with you. I like you. And that's kind of more like, it's not like about his nature. It talks more like about his choice. I like you. He says to this, I would say unlikable church. I'm not sure how much I like this church. I see myself in him too much to like to be too comfortable with him. As many as I like, I rebuke you. Listen, I'm telling you this, not because I hate you, Jesus says. I, I want to be, I want to hang out with you. And he's going to say that next few verses. Verse 20 is like grace for impact. This is a mind-blowing verse. It just it's just one of those verses. I really like you. That's why I'm telling you this stuff. This hard message to deliver. Imagine Jesus coming to the church and like, you guys make me sick. Really, you're just you're, you're so lukewarm. I, I'd even have you cold. At least then you know where you are. But you're so ugh. I'm I'm just getting nauseous up here. And then he says, I like you guys. And the reason I'm telling you is because I like you. Boom, there it is. Like, wow. Because of that, be zealous, therefore repent. By the way, why wouldn't we? At some point, you've got to be tired of being poor and blind and naked, don't you? Oh, I'm just going to work my way. I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to impress God. And he's like, no, it's just going to make me sicker and sicker. Yeah. I've got the cure for sin. I died on the cross. I paid for it. Here, take my, give me free, unconditional, eternal life. No, I want poor. I want blind. I want naked. Really? I mean, you think that all the way through? He's so gracious. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Why would he do that? Because I like you. Now, people use this as like an evangelist will use this in a salvation message. And some will say, oh no, that's not really truly a salvation verse. He's talking to a church. I think he's talking to a church, Christendom, not saved people. Are there people in here who are saved? I'm sure there are like most churches. Are there Christians in religious institutions? Some. Some. Some uh, who have come to the place where they understand Jesus is the Savior and they've trusted on him for salvation. They've given up on their own works. There are some of those in every church. But to the church at large, he's on the outside looking in. I'd like to come in. Why does he just, just come in? He's not like that. He's not like that. You guys know this. He's not like that. He's a gentleman. He wants invitation. I remember my first prayer as a, as a coming to saving knowledge Jesus Christ. Lord, if you're there, <laughs> if you're there, I'm addressing the sovereign of the universe like if you're there and if you care about me. And this guy would preach the gospel. And if you're like what Larry says and want to save me. And he was so gracious. If I was God, I would have roared for me. If! <laughs> he, he wouldn't, he's not like that. Yeah, damn, I've been waiting for this for eternity. 
I'm standing at the door, which is your heart, obviously, and I'm knocking. I want entrance. That's up to you. That's up to you. You know, I know, I know. You're elect. You couldn't get unelect if you wanted to. I, I don't know. Looks like here you really have a, a real no thank you. Nope. Nope. Not interested. Or yeah, I'm very interested. Yeah. Yeah, come in to him. And and I will I will come in to him, says the true witness who would never lie. I know people say, I'm so yucky, I'm so bad, I'm so depraved. He would never save me. Oh, stop. Stop that. He's the Savior. It's what he does. And you ain't worse than me or anybody else. Adam, you don't know what I, I, I've done. No, but Jesus does, and, the, and this is a for real invitation. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. I guarantee it. Is there anyone here who can say, Amen, Adam, what you're saying is true? Anybody say, yeah, I, I know, I know, because I've, I've, I've been there, done that. I lived this. I asked Christ to come in my heart, and he like so totally did. And I will sup with him, and he with me. We're going to have real close, intimate fellowship together. That's sup. Um, early on, you know, we got married, and I'd, you know, grab my dinner, and I'd sit in front of the news, and I'd eat and stuff, and I don't know when it happened. Maybe we had kids or something, I guess. And she, Susan, you know, she's not a tyrant. She's not a hard person to get along with. Sometimes she puts her foot down. It's got to be this way. I'm not taking no for an answer. And God bless her when she's right. She says, we're not having dinner all over that. We're going to sit here together at the table. We're going to ask the blessing. We're going to fellowship. We're going to hang out together. We're going to, that was a good day. Bless her. Bless her her for doing that i i know sop i know sop having the kids over after after uh dinner the whole family's going to be there i know sop we're going to hang out we're going to fellowship we're going to just enjoy each other's company you guys do that you know what it's all about she said i want to do that with you guys i'm zealous i want to i want to be in your life i want to hang out with you i want to be your god i want you to be my people i i i saved you so i could be with you so I could enjoy you. I like you. I like being with you. Does that almost hurt your brain? I know me. He shouldn't want to be with me. He says, I totally do. I totally want to be with you. And the part is, uh, the, the, the part we're rough around the edges, which is, we'll work that out. Don't, just, don't even worry about that. I, I, know how to, I know how to redeem. I know how to fix stuff like that don't some of us try to reform before we come to the lord that's really putting the cart before the horse that's really no he will reform you he will fix you he will been a man being christ he's a new creation all things have passed away all things become new the creator will make you a new creation it's called being born again without which no man will see the Lord. This is a bona fide verse of, of I think, he, this is legitimate, yeah, I, I want to save you. I, I absolutely, it's up to you. Um, one of the first verses I, I remembered after I first got saved, I know it to this day. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Still hanging out, 
even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Either half an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's all I've got. Let's, uh, let's worship God. Listen, at the end, I'm on the outside looking at it. I'm lukewarm. I think I'm not, or I'm cold, and I want to get heated up. I want to get saved. Look, pray. Come up, see me, see somebody, or in the privacy of your own heart saying, Lord, I want in. I want to get saved. I, I hear you knocking at the door of my heart. The fact that you like me is beyond my understanding, but you want to hang out? You want to come save me? You want to give me eye salve, clothes? You want to make me spiritually rich? Well, who am I to stand in your way? Just at some point, you've got to be not happy with the way life is outside of the Savior. Let's pray. Let's stand. Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's who's on the outside looking in. I don't make those calls. People are joining us online now and have been listening. Who's in, who's out? You decide. You know You know better. But Lord, for those on the outside looking in, would you save many today? Would you just take us opportunity to just turn hearts toward the Savior? Why would anyone say no to your gracious invitation? I can't understand it. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Because I deserve it, and there was no one who deserved it less. I'm not an awesome Christian. You're an awesome Savior. And Lord, those of us who think we have need of nothing, show us how ridiculous that, how untenable that situation is. In Jesus' name, amen.